The question is, who do you need to hire to actually support this distinct technology and the community that comes along with it? And I think that's a CTO, you know, it's a CTO. I mean, it's a person who understands different developer languages, which, you know, are native to different chains, right? Like Rust for Solana, for example, and can like actually build teams to go and leverage that technology and build UIs. You're listening to Retail Remix, your inside access to candid conversations with the people shaping retail's future. Here's your host, Alicia Esposito. So tell me, how many NFTs have you launched? Are you thinking about launching an NFT? Or maybe you are a bit of an NFT skeptic. No matter where you fall, I promise this conversation is going to be helpful for you. I'm sitting down today with Ash Pampati, who is the head of partnership at Metaplex, and he lives and breathes NFTs. In fact, he has a great position in the creator economy, so to speak, and has seen, studied, and worked with a lot of folks who are creating NFTs and digital assets. So we dug into I mean, honestly, as much as we could in 45 minutes or so. We got into who is managing NFT projects, what are the strategic priorities, what are the opportunities, and most of all, what retail teams need to be thinking about as they go on this journey. Of course, the fine print here is that this space is moving fast. There are always new projects, new developments, new quote-unquote best practices. So Ash really tries to level set the conversation by digging into the topics and concepts that do have longevity. So keep that in mind as you listen to our conversation. With that, really excited to share this chat with you. I got a lot out of it and it was a lot of fun. So hope you enjoy this one. Ash, thanks so much for being on the show to speak with me today. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you for having me. I'm so stoked to talk. So let's start with the basics. For those who may not know Metaplex, can you kind of just give a high-level overview, give us a scoop on what you guys do, what you're all about, what your place is in this crazy world? (laughs) Yeah, that's a good question and something I talk about a lot. So Metaplex is the NFT infrastructure layer for Solana. And what that basically means is we enable the creation of NFTs, the commerce of NFTs, and the interoperability of NFTs across different dApps, like marketplaces and wallets for the Solana blockchain. And as it relates to Solana, in the past two years, it's really grown in terms of NFT community building and dApp creation. And so, yeah, that's our significance and place in the ecosystem. We're built on top of Solana and we're all about NFTs. Awesome. Yeah, it's definitely a hot topic within retail now, especially because of all of the great use cases. So we'll get into those. But I'm curious, your role is head of partnership, right? So what does that work entail? And what do you like so much about kind of being a part of this new, exciting, but also quickly evolving space? Like what do you kind of add to the day-to-day conversation there? Yeah. So, you know, what I've noticed within Web3 is the community actually drives the tech innovation. 
because it's allowed the door open for a new type of creator, a new type of entrepreneur to actually participate in a commercial economy. And so when I think of partnerships, I think of our role as really being an ear to the ground on where the next wave of innovation is coming from, from the community, understanding their needs and triaging the gaps in our current product roadmap to ensure that we're building things that are useful for folks. So I think like in a nutshell, that's how I see is the core function of partnerships. A layer on top of that is relatively unchanged no matter where you work, which is having deep empathy for the people outside of the building that are trying to build a business and rely on you and supporting them to ensure that they're being walked through the entire process. So that's how I would think about partnerships and kind of a two-leg perspective here. What we've seen kind of in the market is that a lot of projects, whether it be collections or different kind of enterprise channels like wallets and marketplaces, need to innovate at a pretty fast clip or pace relative to Web2 or any other industries. And so if you think about roadmaps and like focus areas in six months, you're probably not thinking on a timeline fast enough for how fast the community moves. So one of the things that we try to do is make sure we're flexible and have rails to iterate upon kind of new and emerging needs from different kind of stakeholders. And I think with fashion and retail brands, it's been really interesting to observe what they've been doing in this space. And part of my job is understanding what they're actually trying to do as a business, figuring out how NFTs intersect with that strategy, and then thinking about how our products can actually up-level their experiences. So yeah, I'm actually very excited to get your perspective on some of those things as well. But I can also talk about what I've seen in the market currently. Yeah, I think that would be great just to kind of get your perspective, because you are that ear to the ground, as you said. And I think the one interesting thing for me about just watching what's happening within NFTs in particular, is that there's this opportunity for creation and co-creation, like a whole new level of a collaboration that's possible between brands and their communities, whether that be actual consumers or in some cases, creators or influencers. And I feel like we haven't quite unlocked that true potential just yet. And obviously not expecting that because it's such a new a new world for retail in, in particular, but a new world for everybody, I feel like. So let's start at the opportunities, I guess, and then we can dig into some more of the tactical considerations for NFTs. Can you kind of dig into like the core opportunities for brands and retailers within Web3, so to speak, especially as it relates to community, loyalty, co-creation, like I mentioned. I mean, I'm sure this is probably more of a lean into NFT specifically, right? So what do you think are the big takeaways to share there? Yeah, so I think any good brand thinks of the brand as the actual product, right? Nike, Jordan, Dolce & Gabbana. And I think NFTs have opened up an opportunity to actually productize the brand in a sense through digital assets, right? And so I think at a baseline, there's a very straightforward way to actually go and create commercial value around kind of your IP or your marketing assets. But the question is like, what comes after that, right? Based on the expectations of collectors or people who want to be a part of communities. So I think folks like Nike have done a great job doing end-to-end community building 
and actually providing utility and, and managing the hype cycle versus product roadmap cycle very well. And then there's some brands that have actually leveraged existing communities to add additional utility, for example, Tiffany and, and the CryptoPunks. So there's a lot of ways in which to intersect with what to do after the mint to actually drive community. One is like building end to end your own community and like having a whole plan around that, creative production studio, community managers, a product roadmap, a technical lead. And there's ways to get around the cold start problem by tapping into existing communities and providing some additional utility. I think on the aspect of utility, it's been a hot topic, especially as we go through these evolutionary patterns within NFTs. So the ETH NFT community has been around longer than Solana, but Solana in and of itself is going on two years in terms of in terms of like the first collection being minted. And the concept of utility has always been an open question, meaning that in the crazy bull craze, everyone wanted to like ape in, quote unquote, into NFT communities due to the speculation angle, meaning, oh, I can find a good project and buy into this and I know it'll reap rewards if I want to trade or flip it. So the speculation angle was a real driving force in terms of just collector activity. But from there, there was a lot of expectations on community building and having a two-way directional conversation between the IP and the holders. And the holders feeling like there is a large plan here to actually deliver upon a long-lasting community through tech and through kind of new kind of delights that the collectors can be surprised with. And I think that it's still being considered ever so more so now that I think we're a little bit in a bear market. Utility is actually more important versus speculation because that's why people are actually going to buy in. And so I think we are personally seeing interesting ways utility is coming to life. So for example, if you're building a community, you should have more holders than sellers, right? You should have more people holding on and wanting to be a part of that community than people trying to speculate and sell. So how do you get them to hold on? Well, you have to like continue to surprise and delight and deliver on some of the product roadmap. And the way Metaplex kind of thinks about that is, okay, post-Mint, what are additional things IP or creators can actually do to enable their product roadmap? Well, one example may be, hey, you minted your collection, you have your PFP or your profile picture, you have your character, we're gonna drop new traits for you to swap in and out of your character so you can customize it or just be a little bit more dynamic as it relates to conversation. There are things like staking, which means that if you continue to hold your tokens or assets, you see some passive return. So all of those things, at least related to where Metaplex is focused and seeing where the market is moving on the utility basis are things that are really interesting. And I think it's it's really something that brands need to think strongly about. I think the first step is like, hey, we have valuable IP. Maybe people want to be product owners of this IP. I think that's like baseline. But how are you providing utility to get people to hang on and hold on? I'm so glad you dug into that, Ash. I was going to ask, like, so what does utility really mean in this context? Because I know in the world of retail, a lot of brands are thinking about, okay, like, what does loyalty mean today? And how do we adapt our loyalty programs and our initiatives to kind of align with that. And I think it's almost like a very similar 
the process that needs to be implemented now, which is like, what is the long-term value and how do we bring that to life through valuable services, through valuable experiences and, you know, that community component. So like when I think about utility, I think about like, okay, like how do I create an experience that is engaging and valuable enough that consumers will almost like integrate it into like their everyday and make it like a part of their world versus like, oh, like I'm part of this like program or like, oh, I just have this NFT and it's just like sitting there. Completely. I mean, we can get even more basic and say, if you're a Costco member, right, and you walk into Costco, your mind is immediately put at ease because you know that anything there is priced accordingly to be the most cost beneficial to you because of Costco's values. And your member card allows you access to that, right? That's a very basic, I think, interpretation of of kind of like what the gold standard is, of what it means to be a part of a community in a retail environment. But there's many layers above that or even beside of that as well. I think like we've seen folks like Starbucks use NFTs, although they don't message it as such, which I think is strategic given their audience to build loyalty programs. And and I just think it's probably, there's a lot of things that need to be resolved, but it's probably a more straightforward way to do omni-channel marketing to your core consumers, right? Because one of the benefits of having your own addressable audience that you kind of have direct access to is you can move them in any direction, right? And you can give them a certain experience custom to them to enable engagement. And I think right now, all of those actions are tried to be triage across a bunch of different channels, which is like a ton of overhead. And so I think like it is going to make the job or lives of marketers much easier, assuming there's lower barriers to, into entry to actually build that addressable, ownable audience through NFTs or digital assets, which I think is a huge opportunity. Because I mean, like when I look at marketing budgets and where marketing teams are staffed and across different verticals and industries, you know, it is a very high functioning industry, but it also has high operating costs. So figuring out how digital assets actually unite your total addressable audience, but also allows you to port them over to different platforms and different experiences, I think will have a lot of operational benefit as well. And then from there, you can kind of customize based on where you want that point of engagement to be emphasized. Maybe it is IRL, right? Maybe it is in the metaverse, right? It just depends on kind of where you play with your brand or where your core business is relying on. And I don't know, like, I think one of the challenges for us, but also opportunities as an infrastructure partner is we can come up with the rails of a game that can be played over and over, that can be extremely complex, that other people can build other games on top of. But we can only do that if we don't get too opinionated about the end solution for a specific customer, because that will actually narrow the scope of impact or the ability to experiment. So, yeah, I think with retail, it's if we can provide the rails for them to build up their addressable audience through digital assets, either token gating or membership tokens, and listen to them on how they want to provide utility, I think that's like the best kind of like relationship we can have. Well, that's great. So, so you did bring up marketing. So my question for you is, are, are you finding largely that marketing is typically the function that drives NFTs or, or digital collectibles, whatever we want to call it, they're the ones that are driving these initiatives and are trying to form these partnerships? Or do you see 
other functions coming into the decision-making process at all? Like, who do you typically work with, I guess is the question. Yeah, it's really interesting. I think it is marketing. Like, I think it's creative studios within marketing departments, right? Like, Nike is a clear example. I also think for certain industries, marketing is the product owner, right? They're like, they're like covering supply chain and operating costs, like, especially when you think of CPG. So yeah, I do think it is in-house marketing teams that I think are going to have the best ideas around execution because they're, they live and breathe the brand. They understand their customers and their journeys and the history. I do think there are creative agencies out there that really understand Web3 and the community, but there still needs to be that bridge in terms of, hey, what is this brand? What is like the actual customer relationship? What do these customers actually expect from us? I think that needs to come from internal in-house marketing teams. No, that's great. So it is largely a marketing-driven, creative-controlled initiative. Are you finding there are a lot of brands and retailers trying to explore like the partnership angle, like bringing in creators or designers, artists, or other parties for that matter, like to kind of help build buzz around the NFT drop? Or do you find, again, that it's largely brand owned and created? I think it depends. I mean, I think like any sort of project, right? It's potential valuation by the community is evaluated on a few things, right? One is the art. Is the art dope? And that's like very subjective, but there's like, you know, there's people who actually are good at like distilling what makes good digital art, right? Two is the team behind the project. Who are these people? Where they come from? What's their pedigree? And is there proof in the pudding based on what they've done in the past? Three is how active they are and how authentic they are in the community building process. So having that right roadmap to introduce yourself into the community right? Maybe you want to like do it adjacently with the community that also already has a presence, right? A big top collection. Maybe they're an on-ramp to introduce you to their community. Once you use that, you actually like build up your Twitter and your Discord and you kind of announce your project and your roadmap and you start interacting directly. You start outlining milestones for when you want to have different drops. Maybe it's a slow build to a big build, meaning, hey, let's do a free mint. Hey, let's do like a music drop that's like low cost. And then once it builds and builds, here's our big kind of profile picture of PFP or generative collection drop. And then that's going to be the entry point to the next phase of like all of this innovation and utility. I think that like, that is not an easy process. And you have to like really be in it to be successful at it. Like I have worked with teams, not on the retail side, but on the like core creator side, who have been thinking about projects for anywhere from two years to 10 years. Like this is who they are. And so I think that brands that understand that about the community and understand the need for authenticity, because this collector community that's really active today can like sniff that out in a second, right? And like the last thing you want when you're introducing any project is any sort of FUD, FUD, you know, like any sort of kind of like negative vibe or something that could just like tank like the outlook of the project. And so I feel like brands and marketing teams within companies already think like this, right? Like they're already thinking of like one year, two year roadmaps. They're figuring out how to launch new products. They're building multi-dimensional like marketing campaigns. They're thinking through the brand of many different lenses 
to me, it's just an application of that same rigor to this playbook. Yeah. No, well, and I think you bring up a good point around the longer term vision or roadmap. I think brands need to think that way, especially with, well, with anything, but especially NFTs and Web3, just because the hype cycle is so fast for this area in particular. And I think consumers are especially mindful of whether brands are just like hopping on bandwagons and they say they're going to do X or like they do like one drop or one project and then it doesn't lead to anything else or it doesn't connect to something bigger or something with value for them as consumers. So I think the more transparent and the more thoughtful brands can be upfront around what the longer term vision and objectives are and how NFTs tie to a broader vision or approach to Web3 and how they perceive it as an organization. I think I think that's where the magic can be made, so to speak. Like, like you, brought, you brought up Nike, like even like Puma is a really great example. Like they just did like a Roblox game. So, but it, like the skins for like the avatars were digital twins of already existing products and there was opportunity for like a longer term vision. So, and like, obviously like the whole gaming and, and sports aspect just made a lot of sense for them. So I think doing that work up front and putting that work into, you know, how does this all piece together? I feel like that's really important to get the consumer on board almost. I completely agree. And like one term that kept popping up in my mind as you were kind of talking through that is what is their atomic network in the space, right? To ensure that when something is introduced or when something is continued to be progressed upon, multiple touch points are talking about it in the same way or are slightly nuanced, but generally kind of are about the same intention. And I think Puma has done that really well, right? Which is like, we're going to integrate with existing communities and actually show up in how they want people like us to show up based on that behavior, right? I think Nike kind of went the way it was like, we're going to, we have a vision around this. We bought a studio. We're going to do this end to end because we have, we can just do this from the ground up. And both, I think, are great strategies. They're just different approaches, right? But as it relates to solving the cold start problem, if you want to get started quickly, yeah, I think the way Puma has approached it in building that atomic network and not having to do all the heavy lifting, like educating people on why Puma's there in the first place, just showing up in an interesting way is right. And I think a playbook that's probably more scalable for other brands. As a modern retail CIO, you're not only charged with understanding the latest technology innovations in the market, but you're also responsible for guiding your organization through its digital transformation journey. In Aptos's new guide, Preparing Your Retail Enterprise for Unified Commerce, we've outlined the most important things to consider from a technology perspective and the considerations you'll need to make in key departments within your organization to properly prepare for unified commerce. Head over to aptos.com forward slash readiness to download your free copy. So obviously marketing, we've brought up a few times, plays a really central role in all of this. They, they kind of help shape the narrative, I feel like. They know the brand really well, what it stands for, and then they're the ones that kind of bring all of the different pieces together, make sure that story is 
cohesive and, you know, distinct to those different channels or, or platforms. But who else needs to be or I guess should be involved in the creation of like an NFT strategy or a broader Web3 strategy? What other parties within the organization? You know, it's interesting because you brought up the question on collaborations with artists, right? I think that's an area where like clearly you have designers and, and brand managers and all of those things who think about like the messaging and how it feels and how it looks and across these different channels. But as it relates to the artist and a collaboration with the artist, yeah, like who is that artist in the sense that are they someone who is kind of like a spokesperson on behalf of the brand, right? Or are they someone who is more native to the end product of the project in the sense that they have a story to tell and the brand is collaborating with them to get the story to the world, right? I'd be curious to kind of even just dig deeper on how marketing teams actually think about artist collaborations. Like, I think the spokesperson angle is is pretty straightforward, right? Like, there's contained ways in which you can leverage that person's like creative vision, but within your brand guidelines, and it all kind of works well. And but it's contained, right? But with NFTs and projects, it's so much more fluid. And like the story of the artist needs to really come out more. And the conversation with the artist needs to happen more frequently. And so I'd be curious to kind of like think about how marketing teams think about that collaboration with the artist and whether it's something that like ends up being that living on its own, right? Having its own life, having its own brand, having its own kind of thesis statement on the brand. Right. Or if it needs to kind of continue to stay within a certain structure of how the brand is positioned across other channels and a certain tone on how the brand is actually operates when thinking of positioning and messaging. Yeah, I think that's uncharted territory, to be quite frank. Yeah, it's interesting because obviously influencer marketing is a very distinct but growing area of like the marketing landscape. And there are very similar conversations that are taking place around like how much control does the brand have? Like what do like optimal partnerships and collaborations look like? And how does it all kind of meld into the brand story? But like you're also giving credence to the creators to kind of own their narratives. I feel like there may be similar conversations to be had like in the world of NFTs because creators have like distinct styles or distinct ways that they're like showing up in the world. They have their own distinct fan bases, right? And I think that's the power of it. But then that's also, that also unlocks probably some complexity as well. Like how do we manage these two distinct communities and bring them together or create value that is widespread enough for both? So I don't know if I have an answer there, but it's interesting. <laughs> It's very interesting. So I think like, yeah, understanding that collaboration point between the artists and as you said, kind of the difference in communities and maybe just even like creative treatments. I think the other piece is, I don't know if this is the right way to put it, but I was at YouTube for seven years and before that Spotify. And so I've seen like the evolutionary pattern of the music industry based on the medium, right? So Spotify comes around, now playlists are big. And the music industry says, hey, put all the radio people on playlist promotion and work with Spotify, right? Go figure out the strategy on how to get them on playlist. YouTube comes around, starts getting bigger with music videos. It's in parallel with Spotify, but really kind of like after Spotify launched in Europe. And now every rapper has a videographer, right? 
And then TikTok comes around and short form video comes around. And now the industry is like, hey, we need to like create songs that lend themselves to short form creation. And so my question is kind of like, okay, for me, I'm taking the long view with NFTs and digital assets and the creators behind those and the utility that's built and the next big company that's built from it. So I naturally have that. So take what I say with a grain of salt. But the question is, who do you need to hire to actually support this distinct technology and the community that comes along with it? And I think that's a CTO, you know, it's a CTO. I mean, it's a person who understands different developer languages which, you know, are native to different chains, right? Like Rust for Solana, for example, and can like actually build teams to go and leverage that technology and build UIs, right? And build user experiences because in many ways, that is the product or at least the promise of what can be delivered on either through IRL or Metaverse. It's like, what? What is the UI or UX where the consumer or where the collector or community person is going to actually experience the utility that you've promised them? A few ways to think about that, right? One is like, oh, well, I could go and work with all these big platforms to like make sure that like my holders, their experience is unique, or I can go and lobby with all these big video platforms or streaming platforms, Um, or I could like build it myself. You know, or I can work with war built in world building environments like Roblox and things like that, Fortnite. But I mean, that's extremely complex technical stuff, complex in the sense that you need to be technical, not like technically complex that require some kind of end user products. So. Yeah, I think you need a CTO for projects you're on. Yeah, and I'm sure, obviously, that the digital team plays a hand and there needs to be some close-knit collaboration there, especially when you get into launch phase. But is there anything like, I've seen a few headlines recently around the security implications or possible risks, obviously financial implications, like if there is a security breach and, you know, obviously people invest in NFTs. So there is an established level of risk there. Is there anything like red flags or, or security considerations that you think are worth calling out for the folks listening now that are trying to really dig in, do their due diligence to understand the risks and rewards of this space? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, security is a big topic, but I can make it a little bit more specific from my vantage point. So What it really comes down to is custody. So, right, like, where is the NFT stored? And is that a self-custodial model where, like, it is on the user to actually manage their password and manage their their access to their assets? Or is it on some central authority, like a, a Google, for example, to actually manage that for them in case something happens so that they can retrieve their money or their assets? And I think it's like a widely held debate in terms of what we think is more important to push through. On the topic of self-custody, you know, that's really its core Web3 ethos, which is like a few things. It's decentralization, it's censorship resistance, and it's wealth distribution. I mean, that's my interpretation of some core pillars of Web3 and why it's such a fascinating place to give a voice to new people. But it comes at the expense of certain things, trust and safety, security, that I think the market is deciding how much they want to give or take on that. So as it relates to security, their solutions, central authority, custody options, great enterprise solutions out there. 
that you could use, plug into if you just want to make sure that, hey, if a bunch of folks are like buying NFTs from our brand and something happens, we have some recourse as a central authority to like help them get it back or like have insurance for that stuff. Whereas if it's on their terms, like they have a lot more control and things like that, meaning some central authority can't just wipe out all their NFTs because some policy changes, which happens all the time, right? For example, like iTunes loses a license, all that music you downloaded is gone. You don't have it anymore that you paid for. But yeah, if you lose your password, you can't get back into it, which could result in uh, consumer churn as it relates to like the brand and community's relationship. But I think there's a, a good argument on both sides. But as it relates to security, there are solutions that actually make it a little easier. No, that's great. We've spoken throughout this chat today about just the role that NFTs can play in a much broader vision, a much broader strategy. So your answer to this next question may be a big old, it depends. But are you hearing anything about like how brands are measuring the impact or value of their NFT projects? Like, is it largely revenue-based because people are investing in these digital assets? Or are they looking at any, like, community-specific metrics, usage metrics, things like that you think are worth calling out? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, the way I like to break it down is probably pretty similar to, like, how a lot of these folks work already, which is Okay, so like, what is the revenue stream for a project? It's the primary mint. And royalties on any secondary trading is a passive income source, but is in many places on Ethereum and Solana going away, meaning people aren't willing to pay royalties to creators for secondary trading or any subsequent trading of their assets. So the primary revenue source is, is the primary mint. Now, that's challenging because it's capped right? Because, you know, you sell, you sell a mint, you price it at a certain floor, it sells out and whatever kind of revenue you make for that is, is your operating revenue. Now, okay, how, how much margin do you have on that operating revenue? Well, it depends on how big your team is that actually made the project launch off the ground. Like how many people do you have to pay to actually deliver on the roadmap? How many people do you have to pay to, to actually pay for their services for where you currently are? So I think like, yeah, I mean, revenue generated from the collection is probably the best way to like think about at just on a very baseline level success and how much margin or what your unit economics are based on any subsequent primary drop as either part of that collection or through a new collection you create and how many people it takes to actually commit to that or, or deliver on that is probably like an important exercise. But when I think about brands, like I think about, you know, they have a huge marketing top line budget. It's part of the operating costs for the company. They're always trying to figure out ROI, meaning like, hey, we did this like campaign. We like ran on these channels. Like what was the result or what was the impact of that? I mean, digital assets are kind of like a the shortest line between two dots in like determining ROI for like marketing just because of the nature of how they work. So I think like, yeah, like revenue generated for primary sales is important just from a team and operating level. I think like when you start to like think about, okay, how active is the community to actually anticipate like, what your next drop is going to be or what you want to price each asset at next, because you have to be good at price discovery and you have to know what the community is willing to pay to be successful. Like you, you just have to know that it's really about kind of looking in the market. Like, you know, you can go to these aggregators or you can go to these marketplaces and see where current floors are at 
and on ETH or Solana, but you also need to evaluate where your community is at in terms of engagement on Twitter and Discord. I think those two platforms are like super crucial to just have on all the time, active all the time, listening all the time, growing all the time that can actually inform where you think is the right price to set the next collection, but also just build up hype and like wait lists for the next collection so that, you know, you're not dropping into a vacuum. Yeah, I think those are a few different layers I would look at. But yeah, revenue generation for your collection, especially if you're a collection that's like 100%, you know, benefiting from that revenue and reliant on it. Yeah, you have to like figure out your unit economics and how you can have more primary sales. Well, especially if marketing is leading on it and marketing already (laughs) feels a lot of pressure to perform and probably is facing a lot of scrutiny, especially now. So if they're like, hey, let's do an NFT, I'm sure the CFO is like, wait, hold on. (laughs) Before we jump in, what is the expected outcome of this? So that definitely makes sense. Well, they're already putting folks behind creating brand assets and things like that. So it's like, you know, this is maybe an even easier way to like justify ROI because one, it's going to like, it cre- it productizes your brand and IP, right? In the aspect of digital assets. So let's just assume that's like one thing that can happen. It adds a commercial value to that because in the market, there's already an expectation to pay money for digital assets. So if you do it right, you can actually meet that market. And then it also helps you build your addressable audience that you solely control and own and can be interoperable with. And instead of going to a bunch of different channels to like work through platforms on how to access your users, right? So I think it's like a good ROI analysis to do, but could be seen as a smarter way to do some things that are already being done. Got it. Super, super helpful. All right, Ash, I I think we're coming up at the end of our time together, but I'd love for us to kind of close things out by having you share a little about the lessons you've gleaned, any points of inspiration or takeaways from any of the other projects that you've done in the past, either with retail brands or, or even with others. Like, I want you to kind of share your learnings at, at a broader scope here because it's such a new space. I mean, it's not always an apples to apples comparison, right? So are there any other lessons, best practices, points you want to share with our audience before we close things out? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think what motivates me throughout my career, but also now here is (laughs) helping someone quit their shitty job to become an artist. And I think that that's like probably the most fulfilling aspect of what I've been doing and what I'm doing here. And so if you think about like what NFTs in the past two years or projects have done They've helped the person sitting in the fifth row closest to the bathroom, like endlessly staring at Photoshop, like, or whatever, like to create some beautiful piece of work that they're putting all of their intentionality in to find an audience and have a market for that work. And I think that's like the most fulfilling aspect of that. So for me, like starting from that point of view, I always lead with authenticity. And I think that personally, I'm not as motivated to work with projects or brands or IP that just want this to be some lifeless extension of what they're already doing. I'm more excited and motivated, and quite frankly, the community is as well, to work with projects that are like, no, this is its own thing. There's something new happening here, and we're going to change a lot of who we are to like actually resonate here. 
that's like what I'm actually excited to work on. And I think brands have a huge opportunity to succeed like in kind of like in a huge fireworks way or really hurt their brand, you know, because they don't do it in the right way. And I think that a lot of education on the community and understanding what works and understanding the pattern of these collectors and understanding what makes good art, what makes a good roadmap is really important to do from a research perspective on the marketing side versus, you know, hey, there's like NFTs and all these collections are selling out. We should have like a collection, you know, I think a good research process is necessary. And I think a lot of companies in Web3 need to kind of stand up the model to help educate marketers, you know, who may not be native Web3 or part of large, complex organizations. I think that's extremely important because authenticity is key. And that's the thing that actually wins in this space. It's uh, fortunately not mature enough yet to be completely sold out. It's really about people hustling who have no other option but to build a life here. Yeah, definitely some really powerful points. And I think, you know, if brands show a excitement or willingness to truly listen to the community and be an active part of it and maybe acknowledge that they don't have all of the right answers or the right solutions, so to speak, and they really just want to listen to that community and find the best ways forward, the best ways to create that utility that we've been talking about this whole time. I think that'll be a really powerful indicator for the broader audience. Before I let you go, Ash, this has been such an insightful conversation, but we haven't talked about predictions yet. I know it's kind of hard because the space is changing so quickly, you know, new examples, new use cases always coming to the forefront, which definitely keeps it exciting, keeps it fresh. But do you have any thoughts on how you believe this space will evolve over the next year? And I guess, you know, how can brands and retailers kind of be on the forefront of it, keep balancing that innovation, but also the core of what we talked about today, which is listening to the community, staying true to their brands. Where do you think this space is going to go? Yeah, it's a really good question. First off, if you want to know about crypto, you just got to be on Twitter all day. So I I, I haven't found any other solution. And trust me, I I wish there was another one, but you just do. (laughs) You have to like follow a thousand people and you have to look at it all the time because things change so quickly. And also there's a bunch of different ways you can do the same thing and everyone has a different opinion. But anyway, I think prediction wise, what is exciting for me is that I like to think of I mentioned before that we're in an evolutionary pattern and and I'm just going to focus on digital assets or NFTs. And you could say that we're in a bit of an ice age, but when the ice age happened, like there was a lot of, I guess, innovation from civilization to survive. It ultimately resulted in, in a lot of kind of like what technology or what modern technology was essentially built on. And I think there's a few things that I think are going to be core themes. One is royalties, which has been a large driver of why NFTs have been so interesting for creators because they can perpetually benefit from their work no matter how many times it trades hands. I think that debate is starting to hit ahead and and the market is starting to allow for people to bypass royalties. So creators need to spend way more time on the actual utility of their project. So I think that's going to be the barrier to entry of the types of creators that can come online to digital assets, creation and commerce is lowering, which means there'll be more content. But the projects that will actually be successful 
in terms of earning collector trust or people wanting to be a part of that community are going to have a higher bar and they're going to have to like really show how they're driving utility. It has to be more than a promise. The second thing is, I think the what's exciting to me is seeing big tech like, you know, Google Cloud just announced that they're going to use Coinbase for a few things on NF, uh, for crypto payments, but also they're going to use their their custody solution. So it's really exciting to see big tech leverage third party solutions for custody, because that was always one of the things that we felt would be challenging for big tech, meaning they kind of want, always want to own the full stack and they want to centralize everything. But especially as it relates to, okay, once a collector owns assets and it's theirs, are they going to allow them for, to have control over it? Or are they going to force it only to be kind of like a part of their product stack? And I think we're seeing a lot of big tech kind of understand core Web3 ethos. Now there's a bunch of security bars and things and trust and safety bars that they obviously hold standards for that I think the ecosystem will innovate to help meet. But that's been extremely encouraging. And then I think the third thing is there's a lot of industries that are digitally native, for example, music, you know, in terms of their primary revenue stream. But the wealth distribution isn't as even as it probably should be for the number of artists that are putting out music. And so I think NFTs or kind of digital assets are going to be a much more plug and play opportunity to help artists, maybe they're musicians, maybe they're digital artists to get from zero to one. And maybe the other platforms help them get from one to 10 to build that audience. And then from 10 to 100, they have a bunch of agents that they have a bunch of like people working on their behalf. So I'm really excited about kind of digital assets being more for the long tail to actually just even get that first step in the space to like help reach a bigger audience. And I think those three things are interesting, at least in terms of what I see is going to build the future for onboarding. Awesome. Well, Ash, this has been such a insightful conversation. I feel like there are so many layers and, you know, subtopics within this world of Web3, not even Web3, just NFTs. I feel like it's such a fascinating world with so many different levers and things to discuss for brands and retailers. So thank you again for digging into all of it with me and and for your transparency, because I I think our audience is going to get a lot out of it. Thank you so much. And congratulations on all the success. Thanks for having me. And likewise, Ash, I can't wait to see what else is to come from the Metaplex team. But for now, folks, that is it from us. We would love to keep the conversation going, of course. So feel free to share any follow-up questions, comments, feedback on social media at our touchpoints at Twitter or on LinkedIn at Retail Touchpoints. We think that conversation and collaboration are all a part of progress. It really is how innovation happens. So bring on those questions, bring on that feedback. We would love to make a connection to Ash and his team. Or when in doubt, leave us a rating or review on your preferred podcast player. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, frankly, anywhere else. We are likely there. And be sure to subscribe. We have new Candid Conversations coming to you every week with folks like Ash who are on the bleeding edge of the latest topics and trends in the industry and beyond. So be sure to get the scoop on these new conversations as soon as they're available. But for now, that's it from us, folks. Thanks again. We'll see you next time. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Retail Remix. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can find us on your favorite podcast player. Until next time, keep mixing it up.